talk about our Summer in the Sun series. We put the banners up a little higher this week. They're going to stay for quite some time. And we spent eight weeks looking at what I consider are the most important teachings of Jesus. We started in Luke chapter 4 with Jesus really sharing his purpose, why he came to this earth to, to proclaim the year of Jubilee, to, uh, to make a difference for the people that need hope. Week 2, we looked at Luke chapter 9 and the cost of following Jesus. Jesus said, if anyone's going to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Week 3, John 3.16. We can put those scriptures up on the screen if you want. John 3.16. God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Week 4, Mark chapter 10, we see the model of leadership that Jesus embodied. That's servant leadership. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Week 5, Jesus talked about life in John 10, 10. I've come to bring you life and, and life to the full, the abundant life. Week 6, Kent preached on John chapter 11. That, that sad story of Lazarus dying. And Jesus used the death of one of his best friends to share this important truth. I'm the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked that question that may be relevant for you today. If you're here and Jesus isn't the Lord of your life, if you're here and you've never made a decision for Jesus Christ, that's a question Jesus is asking you today. I'm asking you today, do you believe that? If you believe that, don't sit in the pew another week. Make a decision for Jesus. That may sound confrontational. I want it to be. I would never want someone to walk out of our sanctuary on a Sunday morning feeling like they should make a decision for Jesus, but they didn't make a decision for Jesus. Week 7, we considered the harvest. We showed you a movie called The Harvest, and Jesus shared that, that important truth. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Ask for the Lord to raise up workers for the harvest field. And, well, I, I was tingling inside when Adam shared that five of our students have made that commitment to be a preacher or a youth minister or a missionary or a worship minister to serve the Lord vocationally. Last week, we studied in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' call on our everyday lives to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world. That means when you're at IGA, or you're at Three Star, or you're on the football field, or you're in the neighborhood, or you're wherever, you're called to be the salt of the earth. You're called to be the light of the world. That's week eight. I, I want to go to week nine. John chapter 15. If you were to ask scholars, where can we really see the very heart of Jesus? Where do you find that in the gospel? Kind of a thorough understanding of the heart of Jesus. I think it's in John chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17. And I want to focus in on a part of John chapter 15 this morning. Up on the screen it says, Jesus says these words, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And honestly, we're going to really study verses 12 through 17. So if you have your Bible, please turn to John 15. If you don't have your Bible, grab a pew Bible. And, and we're going to go through this pretty quickly. I'm going to do two things with you. I'm going to give you six aspects of this passage. I'm going to exegete this passage. Kind of a six-fold understanding of what Jesus is saying to his disciples. And we're going to do that pretty quickly. But then I want to... I want to get in your grill a little bit. I want to answer the, the so what question. What do we do with John 15 
practically in 2010? How do we make that real for us today? So here we go. Dive in. Strap on. Here we go. John 15 shows the very heart of Jesus toward those who follow after him. First of all, Jesus shares a command. He says, love each other as I have loved you. That's first. Jesus shares a command, love each other as I have loved you. He says it in verse 12. He says it in verse 17. It's not a suggestion. It's not an ideal that maybe I'll get there someday. It's a command. It's an imperative. Jesus says, love one another. Secondly, Jesus shares an ultimate example. He says, greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Jesus isn't just throwing pie-in-the-sky idealism out there when he says love one another. He says, here's what I'm going to do for you. Now, I have to tell you, I don't know if Peter and James and John and Andrew and the disciples, when they heard this, I don't know if they really understood what Jesus was saying to them. We sang about the blood of Jesus this morning, and rightfully so. But, but I don't know that James and Peter and John and the others, they got it right there. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you an ultimate example, a one-time-for-all-time example of what love is all about. Third, Jesus shares an expectation. He says, you are my friends if you do what I commanded. I think verse 14 is greatly overlooked. When, when we study passages of Scripture like this, we focus on love and rightfully so. But too many Christians today are embracing what I like to call a la carte. Christianity. I'll take this, but I'm not sure I want this. They want to kind of pick and choose. I grew up, and I had a great aunt. Everybody should have a great aunt like I did. I had a great aunt, Ruby. Never had children, obviously never had grandchildren. I was kind of her uh, adopted grandson in many ways, and my sister was the granddaughter in many ways, and she would spoil us. She would do great things for us, and these were back in the days of the bishop's Buffet. Anybody remember Bishop's Buffet? They were usually at the malls, and it was before the all-you-can-eat days. We're used to hometown buffet where it's all-you-can-eat, and we try to eat all we can, and we feel sick after we leave. Back in those days, if you were going to get a piece of chicken, you paid 99 cents for that piece of chicken. And if you were going to get a roll, you might pay a quarter for that roll. And my Aunt Ruby was very, very... Um, some people would say tight with her money. She didn't have a lot of money, and she wanted to make sure that we only took the food that we were going to eat. She'd get really upset if I would take a, a big helping of something and then not eat it because she had to pay for it. And, and many people look at God's Word like that. I'll take a little bit of this. I, I want the grace. Hope sounds good. Love is okay. But, but expectation? I'm not so sure I want that. And Jesus is saying, you're my friend. If you do what I command. Fourth, Jesus shares a distinction. This is in verse 15. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I've called you friends. Jesus is saying, you're not just the hired help. You're not just people doing this because you have to. I see you as a friend. We're partnering in this adventure together. Number five, Jesus shares an assignment. He says, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, and that's fruit that will last. Now, Jesus has a, a couple of expectations in this passage. He says, I want you to obey what I command, but he also says, I expect you to bear fruit. And let me say this with grace. If you look at your life, 
and you're not bearing fruit. You're just kind of soaking in the grace and soaking in the hope, but you're not bearing fruit. You're not really touching anyone else. You're not really light in the midst of darkness. Will you prayerfully consider what God might be calling you to do? God might be saying, it's time to step outside your comfort zone. It's time to reach out to that neighbor that doesn't go to church anymore. It's time to, to, to maybe give up something so I can help somebody else. Jesus says, bear fruit. And then finally, Jesus shares a promise. It's a, it's a great promise. He says, the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now, you may say, I want a million dollars. I want to be rich. I want to drive an awesome car and live in an awesome house. I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here. But here's what I do think he's telling his disciples. I think it's relevant for you and for me today. I think he's saying, dream big dreams. Don't set the bar so low spiritually that you can just step right over. Dream great dreams. Have great visions. You know, I think of some of the, the different ministries that I've seen start either at our church or, or other churches in town and in our community, you know most of them came about because of one person or maybe two people had a dream, had a vision. Now, they didn't do all the work. Partners had to come alongside. Maybe God's calling you to do something crazy, something radical in his name. Well, that's the text. That's John 15. So what? What do we do with that? Well, I want to share with you a call to action, really a simplistic call to action, and it all kind of revolves around this idea of love. And number one is this. I really think we have to start embracing what I'm going to call a realistic view of love. You know, too many times when we think love, what do we think? We think that emotional feeling that we get. And, and with that is, is that that feeling can come and it can go. How many of you remember that song, You've Lost That Loving Feeling? I won't sing it this morning, I promise. For a lot of people, there's a lot of truth theologically for them when it comes to their faith. If they're not feeling it, it's not happening. They've lost that loving I was uh, blessed yesterday to be able to officiate at a wedding for a, a good friend's daughter, and I was very, very thankful to be able to be there. I want to just share with you a part of what I shared with the, the, the bridal couple. Here's what I said. Most of the time, we think of love as a warm feeling that pulls two people together. However, that feeling is actually romance. Love is a decision. When you share your vows in a moment, you'll be saying, I choose to love you. I will love you during the good days days of contentment, the days of companionship, the days of happiness, the days of fulfillment. But I also choose to love you during the days of heartache and the days of confusion and frustration and the days of stress. Make sure that when we talk about love as, as Jesus spoke of love, loving one another, loving the church, loving the Lord, that we have a realistic view that it's not so wrapped up in just a feeling and an emotion but that it has some Number two, let me challenge you to buy in completely to following Jesus. To see yourself as a living tool of God. 
See, it's important to note, verse 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you my servants. A servant doesn't know intimately the business of the master. Instead, I've called you friends because everything I've learned from my heavenly Father, I've made known to you. And Jesus is talking, speaking of a new, more intimate relationship with his beloved ones. It's one of a a common identity, a common purpose, a common passion, shared in a very intimate way. It's the difference between just being the hired help and being a close confidant. Christian commentator William Barclay points out that by Greek law, a slave or a servant was defined as a living tool of the master. In Philippians 2 verse 7, Jesus himself is described as taking the form of a slave, a living tool of God. And that's solid Christian imagery. That's solid Christian theology. But notice here, Jesus calls his disciples who come after him to be his partners in fulfilling his mission and his ministry of self-giving love. He says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and to bear fruit. That means, friends, that, that we are partners with Jesus when we fulfill his mandate to love as he loves. That means we have to make love a reality in the world in which we live, transforming people one at a time. And you may be saying, how can I do that? How can I buy in completely? I want to. I have good intentions. But my life gets in the way. The busyness of my world gets in the way. Well, if you're struggling, let me just throw this out with church attendance. Maybe you're saying, I like to come, but man, we got this lake here, and it's beautiful, and family wants to do this, and there's that. And let me just... Let me just challenge you to just make a simple commitment and say, the next six weeks, I'm going to be in worship every week. If I'm in vacation somewhere, I'm going to be in worship. Or maybe you're struggling, you know, really selling out. You feel like you want to go deeper, but you don't know how. Maybe you'll say that from financial giving or giving of your time or your talent, you're going to make a change for the next two months. I challenge people all the time when it comes to financial giving, just give tithing a try. And in all my years of ministry, I've had many people come to me and say, that's the best advice you ever gave me. I've never, ever had one person come and say, Pastor, I tried tithing. It was the worst mistake I've ever made. My life's just been turned upside down in a negative way. I'm not saying you have to. But think about it. Step out on faith. Maybe you say, I, I, I love sermons and lessons, and the, the Bible seems great, but I just don't know a lot about it. Maybe you make a commitment starting today, it's August 1st, that you're going to read one chapter of the Bible every day this month. You know, if you do that and start in the book of Proverbs, you would read the entire book of Proverbs in the month of August. My guess is if you're not in the Word every day, and you get in the Word every day, you won't be disappointed. Buy in completely. Number three, I'm almost done. Make love tangible. Think of love as a verb not a noun. See, regardless of who we are or where we live, Jesus' mandate is clear. He calls us to be partners with him in making love tangible in our corner of the world. And when I would go to church camp as a kid, I loved campfire time for a couple reasons. One wasn't a very uh, good reason looking at it spiritually. You know, I never could get girls to go with me to campfire. But the other reason is I love the songs we would sing at campfire. 
And one song that we sang that Marsha brought back a couple months ago, they'll know we are Christians, what? By our faith? They'll know we're Christians by our Bible knowledge? They'll know we're Christians by our deeds? What is it? They'll know we are Christians by our love. We talked at the end of last week's service about what, what it really means to be the salt of the earth, to really be the light of the world. Making a tangible difference in the lives of others. To, to have passion radiate through our lives and our hearts and our eyes. An evangelist, a traveling evangelist, asked an Amish farmer one time, are you a Christian? And the farmer thought about it for a moment, and then he said, you know, you're asking the wrong person. Don't ask me. You need to ask my banker, my grocer, my farmhand, and my children. They'll tell you whether or not I'm a Christian. And friends, Jesus makes it clear that being a Christian is more than just speaking pious platitudes. It's more than just a feeling or an experience or an emotion. It is when you get down to the bottom line, an unmistakable mandate. Jesus leaves us as his legacy. He says, love each other as I have loved you. In other words, be my partner in making love tangible. Mother Teresa once wrote these words. She said, no one can do great things for God. We can only do small things. Bottom line, here it is. The gospel in a word is love. So let's just do it. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for the truth of your word. And I pray that, that our community and our, our neighbors and our coworkers and our classmates and our teammates would know us by our love. Be no doubt about it the fact that we are followers of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.